Yes, you're awake, you're here. Love it. Hey, what a great winter. I was just talking to Hayden over here who does, does a great job snow plowing. And anyways, we have a lot of snow, don't we? Like January, we have like 17 inches all in the last couple of weeks. It's been that crazy snow that comes down in like rain and then snow and then ice and then back to snow and kind of you don't know what to do with it, if you know what I mean. And you know, I have a car. One, we had one car for a couple of years, actually. We, Tisa and I were just sharing a car, and it did pretty good in the snow. It does pretty good in the snow. It's a 2000, 2006 Honda Pilot. And, uh, you know, last summer we just thought, or this past summer, we thought, let's get another car just to kind of go between A and B. So we have two cars. And we, you know, thought about it, and we just didn't want to spend a lot of money. And we thought, well, what do we get? And we ended up getting a car. It's called a PT Cruiser. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't like PT cruisers. They're, they look stupid. They're for old people. And I get it. I am one. I understand that. I do. But, you know, it's like somebody who wants to maybe think about nostalgic on the good old days of Chrysler. I don't know why that car ever got designed. But we own one now. And so... My wife, Tisa, told me, you know, we own it. Let's drive it. Be loud and proud. So, you know, I joined a support recovery group. You know, I'm a PT Cruiser owner. I'm stuck with a PT Cruiser. Anyways, I was going up my driveway a couple days ago, and it got stuck. And no big surprise, right? No big surprise at all. It's a long driveway. It's just got, it's a one-car lane. It's a shared driveway. And so I was going up, and it was just those tiny little tires are just spinning, and it gets stuck. And then I backed, tried to back out and got stuck in the snow, and it was blocking the drive. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to stare out my window for the next four months with this thing encrusted in ice and just hate it. And so I knew when I got up, you know, the other morning, I'm like, first thing first, what I got to do, I got to go out and dig the PT Cruiser out. Of the snow, and so I just spent hours out there chipping away ice, digging snow, doing everything I could. Finally, I got it out, got it up where it belongs, in the garage, away from humanity. And <laughs> we are talking about first things first, right? And some of us need to kind of get our lives unstuck. Some of us have been in in a place where. We feel dry or we feel stuck in habits or in patterns or in a rut. And here we are in a new year going into a new decade. And we've been talking about first things first, saying yes to the right things, knowing what our priorities are. And it's important to know what the priorities of your life are if you want to move into not just accomplishing things. A lot of us just do a lot of tasks, but we accomplish very few important goals. And it's important for us to live our life intentionally and to know what are the first things that should come first in our lives. So we've been talking about one of those things is spending time daily with God. Whether that's five minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever it is that every day we're creating a rhythm in our life to feed our soul so that we're not just human doings, but we're human 
beings were being fed in order to give out, in order to pour out into other people's lives. You've got to receive into your own life. And the Holy Spirit is the best mentor in order to do that for all of us. And then we talked last week about setting aside that day, one important day a week called the Sabbath, a day of rest, a day to just quit working so hard, trying to achieve everything and provide for ourselves. And just that day to trust God that, you know what, I can work six days and work hard for those days, but I'm going to set aside as a rhythm in my life one day every week to just be with the people I love, to refresh, to recoup, to recreate, to worship. That's what that day is going to be about. And today I want to talk about another topic, a first thing first. Because what if in addition to setting aside time each day, dedicating that day each week, what if we were to actually invite God to be first place in the area of our money, in the area of our finances. I mean, that's a radical thought, isn't it? I mean, to really invite him into that practical, where the rubber meets the road area of our heart, of our motivations, of our values, of our worries, of our anxiety, of our fears, and even of our love. Matthew 6, I shared this verse on week one of the series. Put, this is, these are the words of Jesus. Put first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then I'll add all these other things to your life. And that comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus is talking about in the context of Matthew 6 has to do with all the, air, all the things that we tend to worry about, all the things that we want, all the things that we work so hard to get. In life, you know, has to do with money. It has to do with food and clothing and has to do with achieving goals and saving. And it has to do with the things we're worried about in our future. And he said, if you will just live in the day and put God first, I'll add things into your life that you couldn't even figure out on your own. That as hard as you work and as much as you worry, you can't add into your life the things that God wants to add into your life. And he says, how does it happen? It happens as we put God first, put him first. You know when you have enough money? When you have just a little bit more. That's how we think. You know, if I just had a little bit more, then I'd be okay. And yet money, finances becomes like that, that reoccurring repetitive thought that represents some of our deepest values and biggest fears. Now, if you're here and you're visiting today, I I just want to say, I'm glad you are here today. And don't worry, there's no offering. There's no, there's no appeal for your money today. Grateful that we are on budget. We're doing okay as a church. But I do hope that you leave here today with a fresh thought of how much God loves you, how generous he has been towards you, and how he wants good things for your life. And because of that, because he cares so deeply about you, there is no subject off limits to God. He will talk about 
your prayer life for certain, but he'll also talk about your sexuality. He'll talk about your marriage. He'll talk about your friendships, and he will talk about your money because he cares, and he wants us to live free. He wants us to live into a freedom that can only be found in him, that as we put him first, freedom from that obsession, from the love of money, the fear of not having enough, the obsession, the worries, the anxiety, the control issues that we have with it. And so it represents so much more. And he doesn't need our money, right? God doesn't need your money, but he does want your heart. So let's talk about putting God first in our finances. He cares a lot about how we handle money. And I don't know if you caught it in the video announcements, but we have a Financial Peace University class coming up. It's a nine-week-long course. It's taught by Dave Ramsey. He's, a, he's an expert in this area, super engaging, super funny. But if you've never taken this, maybe you ought to sign up for this because I've gone through it myself, loved it, talks about how to get out of debt, talks about, teaches you practically how to get on a plan, a budget of planned spending, how to save money for the future, how to negotiate, uh, how, just all the how-tos, and, and it's super practical. So if you haven't signed up for that, I want to encourage you to do that because God looks at our stewardship in a very holistic way. But what I want to talk specifically about today is putting God first in our paycheck, putting him first, the first thing that we think of when it comes to all the things we could do with, with the money that we earn, what if we put God first? Psalm 24, verse 1, the psalmist said this. He said that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. God owns everything. God is the owner of our lives and all of the resources our money, our creativity, our intellect, our energy, our jobs, everything is a gift that came from him and he is the owner of all of it. When uh, my kids were little, we went to McDonald's. I brought them to McDonald's, two boys, and I, I bought them a big thing of French fries. And, you know, we were driving home and those, you know, the aroma, I don't know what they put in those fries, but the aroma got in the air and I just wanted one. And so I reached back in the supersized uh, bucket of fries and I pulled one out. And right when I pulled one out to eat it, my son said, hey, that's mine. Don't eat that. Get your own. Now, I had a problem on many levels with that. First of all, my kid had forgotten that I'm the one who brought him here. I am the source of these fries. You know, I'm the one who waited in line. I'm the one who reached in my pocket, pulled out my wallet and paid. You're using up my gas, the square footage of my car. I am the great fry giver. The second thing that my son failed to recognize was that I could take them away in a second. I could just reach back there and take them. Or I could buy them like a whole truckload if I wanted to. And the third thing that he, realized, he didn't realize is that I didn't need his fries. You know, I could go through the line and buy 20 packs on my own, but I just wanted him to learn to be unselfish. 
All I really wanted was him to learn to just have a generous heart and that there's more from where that came from if you'll just be generous. Now, those three lessons are the three reasons God wants us to learn why we ought to be generous people, to just trust God in the area of our paychecks, in the area of our earnings. Some people think, man, I cannot afford to give to God. And I would push back and say, you cannot afford not to. God, God wants you and me to recognize that he is the source of everything I have. I don't have anything good that didn't come from him. God says, I chose to create you, and I've chosen to put good things into your life. In Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, God said to the people of Israel, he said, you may say to yourselves, my power, my strength of my hands have produced the wealth for me. Isn't that a temptation to think that it's, it's me? I'm the one who's, who's done this. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Remember the Lord your God, for he is the one. For he is the one. We live in a country where if it's to be, it's up to me. We live in a place where we really have this difficult time to attribute to God that he is the reason why I have what I have in my life. The job I have, the income I have, the things that, that he has placed there, even the ability to work or create. And God cares so much about our lives. He doesn't want us to reflect the culture around us. He doesn't want us to reflect the culture around us. He wants us to reflect the kingdom of God. And one of those big changes in our life and in our soul is the way we think about money, the way we think about who owns my money. I believe as a Christian, we should become the most generous people on the planet, the most outrageous, extravagant, hilarious givers. Not because religion demands it, but because of the fact that we serve a God who is generous. And because he's changed the motivations of our heart and because he's freed us from the fear of our future. And because we want to align our lives with the things that matter to God. Proverbs 3 verse 9 and 10 tells us not just to honor God with our spiritual gifts or with our time or with our worship, but it says honor God with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops that had to do with, with your income in that day, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Is that just like poetry or is that real? God's saying, man, if you put me first, I will add things into your life. I'll add things into your life. So how do we do that? How do we, how exactly can we put God first and give to God the first fruits of our labor? Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, tells us this. It says, a tithe of everything from the land, give a tithe of everything of the land, whether the grain from the soil or the fruit from the tree, what it belongs to who? To God, to the Lord. It is holy to God. A tithe is, a, is an actual amount. It's 10% 
of our income. The very first dollar of every 10, the first hundred of every thousand, the first 10% from my paycheck goes to God. Why? Because it belongs to God. Why? Because it's holy. And it's holy simply means it's set apart. It's different. It's unique. And it belongs to him. And it becomes part of the way I worship in my life. Tithing is one of the most practical ways we get to worship God. It's returning to God some of what he gave to me, knowing that it belongs to him in the first place. Tithing is giving God the first and the best so that he can bless the rest. Why do we do that? Well, there's several reasons, but let me just give you two. One is it teaches me to put God first in my life in the most practical thing that I think about all day. Most of us do. We think about it every day. Think about our money every day. Deuteronomy 14.23 says it this way. It says, the purpose of the tithe is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Wouldn't it be cool if we could just not be worried and anxious about money? Wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that be awesome to just not be stressed, worried, anxious about it? To be able to just go, God, you are not only first place in my life, but you are the provider of everything I have. And I'm going to just trust you. I'm going to lean into you. I would argue that there are few ways as tangible that has to do with the daily motivations of our heart, the obsessions of our mind, the, the, the affections uh, and the values. If you, sh- if, if you show me your schedule and I see how you spend your time, I'll tell you what's important to you. If you show me your checkbook and I see how you spend your money, I can tell you what's first place in your life. And here's the thing. It takes faith to give, doesn't it? Let's be honest. This is not easy. It's not simple. Well, it might be simple. It's not easy. It's not hard to understand. But it's, it can be quite a challenge to go, Lord, I'll trust you here. I'll trust you there. But I don't know if I can trust you with this limited supply of income that I have. I remember the first time I tithed, um, I was about 19. There was a fellow student who challenged me around it. And just to tick him off, I ended up trying, trying it out, tithing, because um, I didn't like him telling me that I would never do it. So I decided to do it. It was not a very spiritual reason to do it, but I did it. And I remember writing out the check and, you know, just thinking to myself as I'm like trembling, you know, with this check in my hand and just going, man, I am either the biggest fool on earth or the most generous person on the planet. I'm not sure which. You ever feel that way? If you're newer to giving or tithing, you you look at that check and you're like, man, I'm foolish letting this go out of my hand. Or you can just kind of pat yourself on the back and think how generous you are. I think it was like, you know, a hundred bucks or something. But, uh, you know, after 40 years of proving God in this area in my life and just putting him first in this area, I no longer think of myself as a fool. And I actually don't think of myself as generous either because what I realize is it just become a part of my normal worship. It's just, it's just part, just a reminder. God is first place and he's over everything. See, if God provides, then doesn't it make sense that we show gratitude in some way back to him? Now, 
I know several of you are maybe thinking, Mike, you don't understand. You, if you understood where I'm at in my life and my finances, if I was to give to God first, we, you know, we, we'd have to do major cutbacks. We might actually have to move from where we live. We might have to sell a car. We might have to, I mean, that, that you're, you're talking crazy talk. I'd say, yep, you're right. It probably will take a sacrifice in your life, a reprioritizing of your values in order for you to be able to do that. And by the way, it takes just as much faith when you have a little bit as when you have a lot. You ever kind of get into the thinking like, when I have more, then I'll begin to do that. You know, I don't quite have enough yet. When I you know, get my emergency account figured out, when I pay that credit card off, when I do this, when I save for my future, when I get the college fund going, when I have more, then I'll do that. Then it'll be easier. But I, I have found that it doesn't matter whether you're tithing from a little or whether you're tithing from a lot. Because you know what happens when you tithe from a lot? Checks get really big. And you're like, oh, I don't think anyone deserves this. It takes just as much faith to give when you have a little as when you have a lot. So if you think if you have a little when you have a lot, it's easy, it won't be. So start now. As a Christian, when I look at my paycheck and then I end up just paying myself first, you know what God says about that? He says that that's like robbing. Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. See, now tithes and offerings. Tithing is not the end all in our giving. There's tithing and then there's giving. There's giving offerings. Tithing is the very first and the best that we give to God from our paycheck. And then offering is all those areas of causes and needs and missionaries and things we want to do in addition to that. And he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. God cares about his house. And he wants there to be food, spiritual food and physical food. And the cool thing about those of you who belong to North Church is that we provide both, don't we? Through Serve Spokane, physical food every single week. Every month, serving over a 1,000 people. And then, of course, here serving and discipling and feeding spiritually our children and our youth and our young adults and older adults that we pour in and we're able to be fed. And so wherever it is where you feel you're being fed, where you belong in a local church, that's the place that is your storehouse. That's the place to bring your tithe. It's the starting place, not the ending point. When you give, can I just, a parenthetical note, don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of pressure. Don't give out of like hyper-emotional appeals. Wait, don't do that. Be intentional. Be prayerful. Plan it out. Do it from a heart of generosity, of joyfulness. If you can't do it from that, don't do it. Do it, give to things that God cares about, you care about, but do it because you want to, not because you have to. 
When you put God first, when I put God first in my finances, he says, test me in this. Prove me, says the Lord Almighty, and I will not, and see if I will not, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing you will not have room enough for it. Don't you love that? It's just another way of really putting Matthew 6. He's saying, man, you put me first and I will add into your life blessing you can't get on your own. Let that sink in. There are things God wants to give you, put into your life, add into your life, pour into your lap. You cannot get through your hard work. You cannot get it on your own because you're really creative, because you're self-disciplined. There are some things God wants to bless you with that come just from him. And he gives them to us as we step out in faith and put him first. We love having people over. Tisa's a wonderful cook. And uh, she'll, uh, she'll, when we're having people over, she'll plan out like the dinner, plan out the menu. And then she'll look in the cupboard and look in the refrigerator. And it won't matter what we have in there. She always has to go buy new food. Even if the perfectly old food is good, she's going to go buy new food. And then she'll make this great meal. And, uh, and we'll... Uh, store up the leftovers, right? And we'll put them in Tupperware or whatever and put them in the refrigerator. And never once, never once, we have someone over Thursday where she'll make this great meal on Wednesday, put it all away in the refrigerator, pull out the leftovers and serve them to the guest. Never once. You don't have to worry about that if you come over to our house. (laughs) You're going to get new food and it's going to be freshly prepared for you. And guess who gets to eat the leftovers? Me. Me, cold food. I love it. But you know what we do to God oftentimes? We eat and consume whatever, you know, we have first and we pay everybody else first. And then at the end of all of that, whatever's left over, we say, oh, you can have a little piece of that. Go ahead, God, raid the cupboard. Why don't God, you can have whatever's left in the Tupperware. Go for it. What if we were to put him first and give him our best. You do financially what you would do to anybody coming over that's important to your house. You prepare the finest for the guest. And then you live off of and eat off of whatever's left over. That's what a faithful steward does. The second reason why we worship God, putting him first in the area of our finances is because of this. Tithing builds my faith in God. It builds my faith in God. I end up with this history of watching God work, watching God do miracles, watching God provide in ways that I could never have provided on my own. I'm telling you, there are stories to be had, adventure of faith to walk in. And those of you who do, you know what I'm talking about. Malachi says in verse 10, test me, God said, test me in this. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have room for it. It's the only place in the Bible where the Lord says, test me in this, prove me. Watch my faithfulness come through to you time and time again. And isn't it true that there are, there are blessings that God wants to add that are way better than money? 
Would you agree? I mean, there are things that are way more important than money. I mean, God can build our marriages. And when we get on the same page financially and we step into this thing of faith and we begin to step out in that scary place of giving and we do it together, God can build an intimacy in your marriage and a spiritual vitality in your soul in a way that nothing else could. It's a blessing to have a deep and and intimate marriage. God can pour blessing into your family through your health or through your friendships. God pours blessing into our life in all kinds of ways. And let's not discount the fact that he can also do it financially. One lady sent me a note, a school teacher, and she said this. She said, when I looked ahead into November, tithing would mean I wouldn't have enough to buy groceries or gas for the car. I did it even though my circumstances screamed, you can't afford this. The very next day, unsolicited, someone came up to me and said, God wanted me to give this to you, and it was the amount of my tithe. I was shocked and humbled that God gave me back my tithe the very next day. Wouldn't it be cool if it always worked that way? (laughs) Even when I worry and stress, God is still faithful, and he cares for me so much. I can't wait to tithe next payday so I can see another miracle of God's provision. And here's the thing I love about this. I can't wait to see another miracle of God's provision. That when we give, when we put God first, when we tithe, we're building up a history of seeing God's faithfulness come through in our life and blessings happen in so many different ways. So why do we tithe? It's an act of... It's a regular way that I get to trust him. It's a way I get to prove his faithfulness over and over again in my life and build this deep relationship with him. It's also a way in which my heart gets to expand in generosity. I get to practice and be a part of God's mission in this earth. Because as I give, I get to see that some of the results of it as people come to faith, as uh, people who are vulnerable and poor get their needs met, as marriages are rebuilt, as children are built, built up in their faith. I get to participate in the mission, and it makes me more grateful. I get to live free from the love of money and free from the fear of not having enough. And I get to practice and learn contentment every single week. So where is it for you? I'm going to just wrap things up. Where is it for you that would be a next step? What would God be speaking to you this morning? Maybe it's to become a part of the Financial Peace University, that class, that nine-week class. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's to have an important discussion with your spouse. Maybe it's to start tithing. Maybe it's to just do something that comes first, like the very first check you write, whatever it is. Maybe that's a starting point for you, where you go, this is for God. What is it for you? Maybe it's to just give him your heart, give him your life, get the money stuff, just give him your whole life. Maybe that's a starting place for you. Let's pray.